What is up, my blessed friends? Hope you're all having an amazing day. Um, I'm your host, Tanvir Mustafa, and as always, it's an absolute pleasure to be here, uh, to have you here, and I'm really excited for today's show. Uh, I thought before we kick things off here and before I introduce uh, our next guest, I actually want to try something different with today's episode and, and from here on out. Um, this podcast is a lot about feeling grateful and gratitude, and I thought I'd start every episode now with a moment of gratitude. Um, okay, so for me, uh, I just had a great bowl of rice pudding. I loved it. Mom's homemade rice pudding. I haven't had it in a long time, and it made me feel good, and I loved it. And, you know, small things like this we can feel grateful for on a day-to-day basis and on a regular basis. So I'd ask you, you know, what are you grateful for? Uh, something that recently happened to you, what did, what did, in the last 24 hours do you feel grateful for? Just give that a thought and then um, we'll jump into the episode. My guest today saved 100k by the time she was 25 and then proceeded to quit her corporate marketing job in order to start a movement and business around financial education. She's a nationally recognized millennial money plus career expert, and her work has been featured on Good Morning America, The New York Times, New York Magazine, Forbes, CNBC, and more. Her mission is to get you the funds to build the life you want and slay the patriarchy at the same time. Introducing Tori Dunlap. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Don't ever let somebody tell you, you can't do something. You're listening to the Blessed for Success podcast. Tori Dunlap, thanks so much for coming on to the Blessed for Success podcast. Um, always excited, but this one I'm, I'm particularly excited for. So thanks for, for coming on the show. Thanks. That means so much. I'm thrilled to be here. Amazing. So at this particular time uh, on this wonderful day, what are the things that make you feel blessed? I, oh man, there's a lot of things. Um, at this particular moment in my life, uh, I have started dating somebody relatively new. We've been dating for a couple months and he is extraordinary. And I am just like very, very, very much feeling that like that giddy falling in love feeling that, you know, you get. And mm-hmm. I'm feeling really thankful because I live alone. I live in an apartment by myself. I have my parents about an hour away, but I'm trying to, you know, keep, keep quarantine from them. So I'm really thankful as an extrovert who feels very lonely during this period to you know, have this person that I'm still able to connect with. And so at this moment, I literally got off the phone with him right before we recorded. We were both celebrating really successful or exciting things that happened, our successes in our own businesses, literally right before. So I'm feeling especially, especially, especially thankful for him right now. Um, Yeah, thankful for my best friend. um, Thankful for, yeah, any sort of human connection I get right now. Um, and feeling really blessed for the community I've built. Um, I have just so many amazing women in the Her First 100K community who want to talk about money and who so believe in what I'm doing. And so, um, yeah, I would say just family and friends, human connection. And then, yeah, the amazing community I have right now is at this moment what I'm really feeling. That's, that's beautiful. It uh, makes me really happy to hear that you're able to share your successes um, and maybe even some failures along the way with, you know, that person. And um cool having someone that you can confide in that with is always so important. And that's, that's the first time I've heard that on the show, which is why I, I'm 
you know, I'm happy to get to something a little bit different. So uh, that was really nice. Um, and as you mentioned, you mentioned uh, her first her first hundred k, which was mentioned in the intro. Um, you know, and you're all about empowering women and kind of teaching women how to manage their money, improve their relationship with money, and yeah. um, you know, get the 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 money that they deserve and, and they've worked for. Um, now you've had a whole journey to to get there and build uh, her first 100k, and it started with you building a business at the age of nine years old. And I can actually relate to that a little bit because I started a snow shoveling business at 11, but Love still you, you beat me by two years. So, <laughs> um, you know, that you, you've mentioned that starting that business um, has helped, helped you really like set the foundation for, for learning about finances. Can you talk a bit more about what exactly you started and, you know, what your biggest takeaway was from that experience? Sure. Yeah. So I, like you said, I started my first business at age nine. I own vending machines, the kind where you put a quarter in, you get a handful of candy out. Uh, and then I ended up owning 15 of those by the time I graduated high school, all the profits went to my college fund. Um, and then you're not going to be able to see this. I'll send you an actual, like the photo that you can link, but this is the day I sold my business wow. to a 10 year old who also happens to be named Tori. Cause that's how this crazy world works. And she actually looks like me. Like she we looks look like each other. She looks like a younger version of me. I you. know it's crazy. And we are in no way related. She just happens to have the same name, but yeah, so I sold it after 11 years. So I was 20 and she is now in high school doing the same thing I was doing. So, I mean, it was in no way novel, right? I didn't go on shark tank. I didn't invent anything, but it taught me everything I needed to know about pitching myself and profit and loss and managing, you know, money, both business and personal. And so I graduated college and I thought, okay, I know the business thing's rare, but everybody knows not to overspend on credit cards and everybody knows, you know, to negotiate their salary because I had this really great financial education growing up. I realized that that was a privilege. And with that privilege came a responsibility to educate people. So mm -hmm. I was the friend all my female friends were coming to for advice. And so I was lucky enough to have, yeah, the great financial education, both through, you know, my parents having conversations about money, but also, of course, this business. Um, and yeah, kind of thought that that's, that's what everybody had. And then, of course, realized that that wasn't the case. And so um, started her first 100K kind of from that. Yeah. Can you, can you give a, just quick, your, your description of what her first 100K is, um, just sure. so everybody's fully aware of, of what it's all about? Yeah, so her first 100K is a money and career platform for millennial women. And basically, I, I believe that we don't have any sort of equality for women until we have financial equality. And so I was put on this earth to fight for women's financial rights. So I'm a speaker and a coach around money, both personal uh, as well as in your business. So I teach women how to budget, save, invest, and negotiate. And uh, yeah, it's we're like 50,000 strong now as a community, which is absolutely amazing. Yeah, that's crazy. And we'll, we'll talk more about uh, kind of how you built it uh, on, the, as, on the side as a side hustle, um, which has recently been a theme on this podcast, side hustles. But um, I'd like to go back again, um, you know, when you were younger, building yeah. up that financial education really gave you, like you said, it was a privilege to, to know that. Um, and your parents were a huge part of that, right? Helping you build a song uh, foundation for financial education. What like if there were three big lessons that you think you had the privilege of learning early on from, you know, the knowledge that your parents imparted on you as well as the business, um, you know, what did you feel set the foundation uh, lesson wise for, for the rest of your you know, financial health and, and financial career? That's a great question. And thank you for doing your research as well. <laughs> Over here, I'm like, yes, I did do that. Um, I think the first one was that they didn't just talk the talk, they walked the walk. So I had so many friends who grew up hearing like, quote, don't overspend on credit cards, but then they'd see their parents 
you know, spend money on frivolous things that they didn't really need or, you know, it, it, it's very easy in any part of our lives to say one thing and then of course do another. But kids learn from seeing examples, right? And so you can't be telling your kids one thing and then doing something else. So my parents were really great about yeah, showing, showing how to be frugal. And my mom balanced the checkbook on the same two days of the year, the 13th and the 20, or same days of the year, same days of the month, the 13th and the 21st. And, um, I saw my dad negotiate our cable bill like once a quarter. And so I saw all these things happen. And so it wasn't just them telling me these, these money strategies, but them actually doing it. So I would say that's the first thing. The second is that, um, as a woman, as a, you know, as a young girl, there was a lot of there was a lot of these financial strategies that my dad taught me that most women unfortunately are not taught as young girls, especially around investing. So, um, statistically speaking, if you're in a heteronormative relationship, a woman is handling the day to day finances. So she's like doing the grocery shopping, right? Or she's budgeting. She's um, she's looking at the day to day money situation. Stereotypically, the man in the relationship is handling the larger wealth building strategies of money. So we're talking investing, buying property, selling stocks, right? And budgeting is of course important, saving money, clip on coupon, or coupon clipping are all important, but the really big wealth builders, right? The really, the really important, you know, generation wealth building strategies are the ones that are unfortunately getting handled stereotypically by men. And so my dad was really great at sitting down with me and not only teaching me how to budget, but also teaching me, here's how to open up a, an IRA or here's how to, here's what investing is. And here's what the stock market means. And here's what the S and P 500 is. Right. And there's, there's a severe lack of education when it comes to everything, personal finance, but for women, especially there's a huge investing gap where women either wait longer to invest than men or don't invest at all. And the number one thing, the number one reason that's cited for that is a fear, a, a lack of education. Right. And so, um, if you have children in general, but especially girls, please sit down and walk through what the stock market is and how to invest in the importance of compound interest. So mm -hmm. that was probably the second thing that they did that was really smart. Um, and the third thing, I mean, I remember sitting down when I was a senior, I had just graduated college and I had gotten a couple different job offers and we sat down and my parents were like, okay, we're going to do a mock budget. And I, I wrote out, you know, what would the average rent be uh, in Portland or Seattle? You know, what would, what would a car payment be? What would groceries cost? What would my phone bill be? And I realized that so many of these job offers, um, you know, to someone who was, yes, fresh out of college, but who had two four-year degrees, who, you know, had a lot of work experience. I was, I was getting offers for like 30 or $35,000 a year jobs. And after, you know, after tax, $30,000 is not a lot of money. And if you're in college, right, $30,000 is probably the most amount of money you've ever seen. But when you see it broke, you know, broken down, you realize that, okay, if you're in a high cost of living area and you're not making a lot of money, like that's, that's going to be really hard to make ends meet as well as to save any money. And so it was a, it was a great, like, again, hands-on piece of that. So anytime you can sit down and have these conversations that are open and honest without conflict, are going to be really key, whether that is in a parental child relationship or if that's with a romantic partner or even a friend. So having those conversations again around money was so, so key 
um, because it was, it just opened up a whole other experience around money for me. Mm-hmm. Man, there's so much I want to unpack there. Um, <laughs> so just having this conversation with you, I, I don't know if you've seen the commercial. There's this one commercial that it's really reminding me of. I think it was by BMO and it was like, uh, uh, a young child. And when she was a kid, um, or when she was a child, like her grandparents were like giving her money and be like, go spend it on whatever you want or go spend it on a dress or something. And then later, like when she's married and she's planning, um, like she's at the bank with her husband, like the bank, the banker keeps talking to the husband. It's not addressing her at all. And like at retirement, when like her husband passes away, that like she doesn't know how to manage the money because all along her entire life, um, you know, it was always kind of taught that women don't handle the money. And I, 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 I can't saw- tell you how true that is in real life. Mm-hmm. There are so many stories of, I, I work with primarily millennial women, but I have women in their fifties reach out to me and go, I just got divorced or I, you know, I never got married and I have no money and I don't know how to manage it. And I'm supposed to retire in 10 years. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, it's absolutely heartbreaking. So yeah, there's, there's, there's that joke, right? If you go into like a financial advisor's office or like a bank, right. And they're always speaking to the man in the relationship, but that is so true. That happens so frequently and it's not, and then we're shamed for it too, right? Women are shamed the fact that we don't have this education. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we were always told this was not for us. And there was a lack of representation, right? There's, there's very few women in any sort of leader, leadership positions in financial tech companies or on Wall Street. And so uh, there's, there's a severe lack of representation. There's a lack of education. So of course we don't have this knowledge. And, and it's, it's also, it's, it's taboo to have money conversations, right? It's tacky. And so of course, of course, women don't have the resources to be able to manage their money. Well, that was a tangent. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but no. yes, that happens so frequently where, yeah, I, I unfortunately get those phone calls and get those Instagram DMS of women who are just so stressed out about money and feel like it's quote too late or just feel so alone and so scared and that's the reality for for millions and millions of women across the world. Yeah, thankfully we have individuals such as yourself trying to change that. Um, and you know, let's do a little bit of that on here. So we talked about investing a little bit. We talked about and budgeting a little bit. But let's let's give the people what they want, which is I think <laughs> right now um, the two things people are thinking about is okay, how do I one manage my money to you know get it right, like get my financial health right. Second of all investing. What's it all about? How do I do it? Where do I start? You know, all of that. Um, I'll, I'll let you kind of take the floor and start wherever you'd like with that. Uh, topic. Yeah. Um, I always say that the easiest thing somebody can do, there's two really easy things right off the bat is one, you can automate your savings. And so we're going to do what's called paying yourself first. So too many people wait till the end of the month to save money And guess what happens at the end of the month? There's no money left over to save. Mm -hmm. So what you want to do is you pay yourself first, but before you even pay for your rent or your mortgage, you are automatically transferring a percentage or dollar amount of your money into my, my second easy tip, which is a high yield savings account. So the automated transfer can either happen through your payroll platform at work or through your bank account. So let's say it's $200 a month or 5% of your income. It's going immediately out of your paycheck. You don't even see it. And then the second part of it is you need to make sure it's in a high yield savings account. 
This is one of the easiest things you can do. And I'll send you a link if you want to put it in the show notes to my favorite one. Yes. But it, it's so easy where literally your everyday bank, whether that's at a local bank or credit union or at a, at a big bank like Wells Fargo, Chase, any of these, is that you're literally on average earning 0.01% on your money when you could be earning 20 times that amount in a high yield savings account simply by switching it over. And there's a lot of high yield savings accounts have no no fees, no minimums, no restrictions. And so it's the easiest thing you can do for your money. So automate your savings, whether that's a dollar amount or percentage and make sure it's in a high yield savings account. And if you already have savings, transfer that out of a regular savings account and into a high yield savings account and you'll immediately earn 20 times what you were earning in interest. Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to investing, um, a lot of people think that investing is just buying and selling stocks. And that is the riskiest thing you can actually do with your money. And you should only be doing that if A, you feel extremely confident, and B, you're not afraid of potentially losing that money. So you should not be buying, selling, you know, trading stocks with your entire portfolio. Your portfolio meaning, you know, your total amount of money that you have invested. So um, it's not buying and selling stocks in the way that we all think it is, right? It's not like buying 10 shares of Amazon stock, right? It's, that can be part of it, but really long-term smart investing is not the sexy investing that is buying and trading stocks. Um, so there are, a, I mean, investing is a conversation that will take us two hours, but the, the TLDR is that really you have two options when it comes to what you're investing in, either stocks or bonds. Now stocks tend to be riskier, right? But they also tend to have more reward. Bonds on the other hand are less, uh, less lucrative, but more stable. Stocks are slivers of companies. They're little tiny pieces of pies, pies, you know, the company's pie. Bonds are either the debt of a company or the government. So you're kind of like buying into, you're giving that loan or a part of that loan to either a company, an organization, or a, a federal government. And so basically what happens, I am not a financial advisor, that's my legal disclaimer, but most financial advisors will tend to, tend to say that when you're younger, you have a more stock-heavy portfolio because you have time, you have more flexibility. Assuming this money is in there for retirement, if you're 25, you want a more stock-heavy portfolio because you have 30 years for your investments to grow. Mm -hmm. Then as you age, what's called your asset allocation, which is basically where your money is, should go from more stocks into bonds because you don't want to lose, you don't want the risk of losing that money as you're nearing retirement. Mm -hmm. um, so I like to say investing is the rule of two. So you have the two rule there, we either have stocks or bonds. There's two types or ways you can invest. You can DIY your investments, which means that you're managing them through yourself, right? And you're buying and you know selling either individual stocks or you're you're buying shares of an etf or a mutual fund um so you better feel confident doing that i manage my own investments because i feel feel confident enough to do that most clients i don't recommend doing that so a diy firm um like some examples are charles schwab fidelity vanguard where you're managing your own investments so that's one way to do it the way i probably recommend for people especially if you don't feel confident investing yet is a robo advisor so that's option two you've heard of a lot of these elevest wealthfront wealth simple betterment um and so they are taking a small percentage but they're helping you do it so you're not completely in the dark so if you do want to start investing but you're fearful of that 
go with a robo advisor, pay that little bit of a fee because they're going to allow you to feel more confident in doing that. And really, Another reminder is that you are investing if you have a retirement account. That's something mm-hmm. I hear a lot too. Like, oh, I have a 401k, but I'm not investing. I'm like, you are right. though. That's right. literally, it's just actually your retirement account is a better type of investing because you're getting tax advantages. So um, yeah, that's, that's a myth I want to dispel is that if you have a retirement account, assuming it is actually invested, yes, you, you are investing. Yeah, I love that because um, not just the the retirement account, but also a lot of companies have a stock plan, um, and I keep I keep forgetting that because I'm like I'm you know I, I regularly look at the market and I take a look and, and I'm um, I invest myself as well, and uh, and then I remember oh wait I got that other chunk of money with my company stock, so it's right. like I'm already quite a bit invested um, on that side already, but what something that I've been doing. Um, I actually just did actually yesterday. Um, you know, I've been diving a lot into financial health and financial wellness. And one thing that I think is important to have for anybody, and maybe you'd agree with this, is rules, like rules that you abide by when it comes to financial health. Like, okay, when I invest or when I save or something like that, it's like, like a rule might be pay yourself first, like pay yourself 10% first. One, one rule that I made for myself is um, if you're going to invest, invest as if you're going to hold own that asset forever as in you're playing the complete long game totally um not trying to like speculate or not trying to it's like if you're gonna hold hold but you know don't try to play the game um because for most of us out there we know we're not mutual fund traders and even on average mutual fund traders they don't beat the market as a whole um 90 of the time or something like that some some statistic close to that um so i think that was all super enlightening i think those two rules for investing and um, saving are important. And then the other thing that I wanted to tackle really quickly was um, budgeting. And yep. to me, like honest, honest to God, I hate budgeting. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, can, I, can I do a financial therapy session? Why do you hate it? Um, Does it feel limiting? It feels kind of limiting, but it also feels like maybe it's because I cannot adhere to it, adhere to it perfectly every month. Mm-hmm. maybe that's the reason why like some days I under some months I underspend by a lot some months I overspend by a lot um and I feel like yeah it feels limiting in, in some ways it feels like cuffs versus um right. something else yeah so I teach a whole workshop on this so I'm going to give a little sneak peek but I do a budgeting and savings workshop virtually um and I have what I call the three bucket budget which is uh, no apps, no spreadsheets required and no uh, like specific categories because my beef with like mint and mint is a huge, if, if, if you love mint, keep using it. But for me, like I would get to the end of the month and you know, I wouldn't go to the movies and then I'd go to three movies in month two and it would yell at me and tell me I went over budget. And I'm like, let <laughs> me live my gosh dang life mint. Like I don't want you yelling at me. And so what I created was a three bucket budget. So bucket one is your expenses. I like to say everything you need to eat, sleep, breathe, move, and live. Bucket number two is your goals, retirement, emergencies, uh, debt payoff, buying a house, taking a vacation. And then bucket three is everything else. So we're not dividing it into like meals or entertainment or bars or this, you know, clothes. We're putting it all in the bucket. You automate bucket number two completely. So you automate into a retirement account, you automate into an emergency fund or a high yield savings account, right? So bucket number two is taken care of. You do that first. Then you pay your necessary expenses in bucket number one, which are not really going to change. 
right? Your rent's going to stay the same. Your insurance is going to stay the same. Your student loan payment's going to stay the same. And then any money left over is bucket number three, where you get to spend on anything you want because you've done the hard stuff first, right? You've done bucket two, then you've paid your necessary bills in bucket one. So bucket three is any money you will have left over. And this is the budgeting method I've used, you know, and that I used to save $100,000 by 25. And, and the, the method I recommend to all my clients where you don't have to track every penny. You don't even have to categorize your money. It just needs to be in these buckets. Mm -hmm. um, so if you haven't tried a method like that, that might be helpful because then it's, it's not limiting. Like you can spend bucket number three, you could spend all of it on a vacation. You could spend some of it here, some of it somewhere else. But for me, that's a lot more flexible to my life. And also flexible to like what month, like when it's December, I'm not going out to rooftop bars, mm -hmm. you know, I'm spending a lot of money on like heaters and <laughs> plants to, you know, that I can care for and keep me, keep me less lonely at my house. But you know, in, in July, assuming it's not quarantine, you know, I'm going out and I'm, you know, I'm going out to eat a lot and I'm doing more social activities. And so it's really more flexible to, to your lifestyle. Yeah. That, um, that's powerful. And that budgeting uh, workshop, I'd love the link to it. And I think a lot of people would enjoy it. So uh, we'll, we'll uh, get the link from you after on that, hopefully. Um, so let's go, let's go back to her first 100K. So, I mean, you ran that as a side hustle for, for a while. Um, and then eventually you got to the point where you quit your job to, to really pursue financial freedom and independence. Where did the confidence come from to do that? And what recommendation would you have for others looking to do the same thing? Um, where did the confidence come from? I, to be honest, I'm such a stability seeker. <laughs> I was raised by two parents who were so focused on stability and they gave me the, the beautiful life I have where I, you know, I'm lucky enough to have never wanted for anything and, and, you know, always had food in my tummy. Um, but especially when it comes to business, they weren't really great risk takers. Mm. And again, I don't fault them for that at all because I, you know, I, I have the life I have. They needed to support me. Um, but I, when I was going to take my business full time, I was so scared to do it. And it was because I crave stability so much and it's the most unstable decision you can make from, you know, a financial career standpoint. So, um, I think the, the biggest thing that I'm proud of that I did was build it for so long on the side. And I actually, I just did an interview right before this one where we talked about the fact that like Instagram hustle culture will just tell you to like quit your job as soon as you can to pursue your business full time. And it's such a privileged statement, yeah. right? Cause it implies that like you have no bills that you can just do that. And I don't want anybody hating their business and resenting their business because they expect it to pay their bills long before it actually can. Yeah. Right. So we don't want you burning out. We don't want you hating what you're so excited to build because you can't sustain yourself. And so I think actually one of the smartest things I did and one of the smartest things, you know, a listener can do is if you have an idea or you have a business, build it on the side, test it, see if it works, allow yourself to organically grow and iterate and like I killed my best selling product last year, which was a risk, but it was something that, you know, later paid off in the long run. But I was, I could take that risk because I wasn't reliant on that income. I had the stability of a nine to five job. And so if you do, yeah, if you do have that idea, if you're looking to build something, 
there is no shame with doing that on the side and doing it on the side for a while. Cause I got asked every day of 2019 and really like half of 2018, like, when are you going to quit your, quit your full-time job and take your business full-time? And you know, I, I got paid, right. It was like paid training in my nine to five until I did what I loved. Right. And so there's no shame in having a nine to five. There's no shame in doing that and building your confidence and building your both financial and like entrepreneurial resources so that when you do go full time, you can just explode from there. Because my full month, my first full month of entrepreneurship was January of this year, actually. We're recording this in May. And I mean, I did $30,000 in revenue. In the first you know, month. The first month. It's pretty crazy. It was nuts. It was bonkers, right? And that wouldn't have happened, not even close, if I took it full time, like the first time I made money, or even the first time I made like a good amount of money. Um, mm. It wouldn't. It wouldn't have been sustainable, and I wouldn't have been able to take risks and grow it in an organic, again, sustainable way. So yeah, there's no shame in a nine to five job. Yeah, there really isn't, and that's one thing that I think bothers me a lot because I get so many ads and I see, see so many ads or so many yeah. like pop-ups that are like, you know, start your business or, you know, you must be unhappy in your job. Like do this, do that. And it's like, you know what, what if I'm not unhappy in my job? You know, right. I'm, I'm really not like, I'm very happy uh, with the job that I have, um, you know, happy with this, with this, but it's like society tries to tell you that it's like not, you know, luxurious to have a nine to five, whereas, you know, it could be one of the best things for you. Um, I mean, that's, but like, you can always do things on the side that, um, you know, fuel your other passions. That's why I do this podcast. Like it, it helps me feel the, the passion that I have for, you know, having conversations around self-development topics such as financial, financial health, health in general, yeah. um, self-wealth or self-health, you know, things like that. And it's like, you don't don't feel the pressure. I know it's 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 hard not to with all the advertising out there, but don't feel the pressure to have to quit your job and be an entrepreneur. Um, try to be unique with your your passions. Like if you have something that you'd like to pursue on the side, whether it's gaming, it, you can start a Twitch channel. If you're you know into I don't know whatever it is, you can just do something small on the side to help fuel that passion. But that doesn't mean you need to quit your job and start a business. And what I've also realized too is it's very sad. Um, I've especially realized this in quarantine. I don't really have hobbies anymore. <laughs> you know, like everything's monetized, yeah. <laughs> you know, or like, I like reading like, or going on walks, but like, mm. you know, I don't like, there's not a, there's not a lot of people who have hobbies anymore that are just like, I do this because I enjoy it. Like maybe I'm not even good at it and I don't make money off of it. Right. And so I have realized in the past couple of weeks, especially like Tori, you don't have hobbies <laughs> because I'm so focused on, you know, again, it was a nine to five and then it was a business and now, okay, the business was on the side and now it's my full-time thing. Okay. I have to create something else on the side. Right. And it's like, first off, Tori, take a chill pill, but also like hobbies are a great thing. And I think we've lost that in this hustle culture of feeling like, okay, everything has to be to like better ourselves. And there's something so magical about learning something new and being bad at something. And yeah. so like, I'm relearning French right now. I did like four years of French in high school. I've lost so much of it and I'm not good at it, but I'm like, I'm trying, you know, and it's really humbling as someone who, you know, prides herself on being good at quite a few things there's a lot of things I'm not good at. And so yeah. it's, it's, 
it's a good reminder that, yeah, there's other things you, you can do. Even if you're building something on the side, that doesn't ever have to be your full-time thing. That doesn't actually ever need to make you money if, if it doesn't have to, right? So yeah, there's, uh, can I curse on this podcast? Yes. <laughs> there's so much bullshit. It's yeah. so much bullshit. Yeah. When people tell you that like entrepreneur life and like, you know, working on a beach in Bali is what you, is what your dream is when it's like, yes, I, I will take a nap after this, this taping of this podcast and that will be great. And it'll be four o'clock in the afternoon and I'll get to go take a nap. But also there's times where I'm working 67 hours a week and you know, I am reliant only on myself to pay my bills and all of these things. And it's sometimes really lonely. Sometimes I don't put on pants for days, you know? And so there's, there's a lot of great things about being an entrepreneur. And there's a lot of not so great things that we don't talk about. Same thing with the nine to five, a lot of really great things, a lot of not so great things. And so, yeah, I think the glorification of the hustle just is just complete bullshit. You nailed it right on the head and you're actually right about the hobby thing. I mean, um, obviously have the job, do the podcast, but it's like doing the podcast is like another full-time job right. and, right. um, you know, doing this on the side and then not having, like, I left my guitar back in Toronto. I came back to Ottawa, but I left my guitar back in Toronto and I'm like, no, I really wish I brought it. Cause this would have been a very opportune time to try to learn a bit more. And like, you know, um, one thing that I did was buy a deck of cards. So hopefully learn a few magic tricks, but just the small things that, that, you know, make us happy and fulfill us just for the fact of being creative. I remember one thing that I used to do in middle school is I actually, um, you know how it is when you're a teen, um, you, there's like boys and girls, there's girls and boys. And I used to like write songs and like lyrics about like people and, th and stuff. And it was the funniest thing. And I missed <laughs> that. Um, Maybe I should take that up again and start writing songs again. But um, no, you nailed it right I'm, on The that. guy I'm dating is a musician. And so it's really funny because we'll just be like walking or going anywhere or just like cooking. And there are, there's a song every 30 seconds that comes out of his mouth. And so it's, it's <laughs> the fun thing of like, yeah, just realizing like when you have time, like there's been so much research around like play and mm -hmm. how we lose so much of that when we're adults. And that's what you're talking about, right? Is play of, yeah, making up songs or learning magic tricks or just offering your brain room to breathe. And I am so guilty of not doing that. And it's just so, it's so freeing when you start, yeah, being around people who are doing that and, and being around creative people who, yeah, don't see everything as a way to make money because that's how I've, like, my brain's been wired the last three years. It's like, okay, my spare time, is is me building this thing that I eventually want to take full time. Okay, I took it full time. Well, I have to have something else to, you know, fill fill my time. So, yeah, I think it's so powerful when we give again our our brains room to breathe what what ends up happening and just mm -hmm. yeah, allowing ourselves again to be bad at something or to explore something that that is never going to make us money is is something that is advice I need to take for myself. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, even if we flip the coin a bit, let, let's take a look at that. If we flip the coin a bit and said, you know, for example, financial empowering women for about their financial health and well-being was your, what you're passionate about, right? It's what you decided to take full time. A lot of people might want to quit their jobs, right? They might want to quit their jobs and start something and, but have no idea what they would do. Um, how do you recommend someone finds their thing to kind of set them free and set them uh, apart from their job or, you know, away from, you know, actually starting and building financial independence or financial freedom? Yeah. You did not mean to do this, but I am releasing a side hustle course that literally answers that question. <laughs> and I'm releasing that in a couple of weeks, hopefully. So yeah, that's so funny. Cause yeah, it walks you through exactly like how to pick a side hustle, but 
Um, the, the things I, I talk about in that course and in my coaching is that basically you have to decide, um, is your side hustle based on skills you already have, or is it skills you want to develop? Um, is it something that you want to do? Is it purely to make more money or is it something that you are okay, or are okay not seeing pay off for a while? If it means like it's going to be bigger later, um, you know, how much time do you actually have? I think people sit down and they're like, oh yeah, I want to do this thing, but not realizing that they only have two hours a week, you know? Mm -hmm. So part of it's time as well. Um, I mean, my first side hustle actually was, so I worked in marketing for almost five years and that was my corporate job. And then I would do marketing on the side for clients. So that was actually, I actually got a side hustle. I got a contract social media job before I landed a nine to five corporate social media job. So um, I took skills that I already had you know, in my nine to five and then leverage them. And so that's an easy way to make a side hustle. Um, obviously that wasn't what I wanted my business to look like. And so, I mean, it took, it took a while for me to figure out that money was the thing I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I started a blog in late 2016 that was just talking about kind of my experience as a professional millennial woman navigating her career and, and traveling and doing all these things. And then I realized it was probably a year and a half after starting the blog that I realized that all of it related back to money. And so, and that, that I was really passionate about that. And so, yeah, her first hundred K uh, didn't exist in its current iteration until February of 2019. So a little over a year ago. Um, and again, a lot of that was trial and error and figuring out what my passion was and figuring out what I wanted my business to look like and figuring out, you know, what, what was the unique, value proposition of my business and what was the problem I was solving. So think about, yeah, I, I call it like time, talent, treasure. Think about how much time you have. Think about if you, you know, what talent you want to grow or develop or what talent you already have that you can use. And then is this a money-making thing for you? And if so, when, and then decide, you know, or give yourself the room and, and again, the time to, to, explore. It, it doesn't have to be perfect right away. It won't be perfect right away. So start trying some things, start figuring out what feels good. And it's going to, it's going to take some iterations for you to, to really figure that out. Right. No, that's, I, we're in sync. <laughs> <laughs> we're in sync. Um, which, so that's, that's very good advice. I think you're right. It's um, figuring out the side hustle thing is not necessarily an immediate, like it doesn't just hit you all at once. It can sometimes be a bit of a process. Um, and I know, you know, I've gone through many iterations of side hustles, had a clothing line, um, had a previous podcast. Now this one, um, and it just takes time. Like it, it takes, it takes a side hustle does take a lot of work. Like that's why it's called a side hustle. Um, and I think a lot of people need to understand that like just because you have a side hustle doesn't mean you can kind of treat it you know, half, half fast, like you kind of need to make sure that you're committed. Um, I, one thing I do is I actually, after a day of work, I'll take a nap because I know that if I don't, um, I won't have enough energy to see through, see myself through the end of the day, um, to work on my side hustle. I got at least eight hours of sleep. I mean, with, with exceptions, but I got eight hours of sleep every day of building my business on the side. And people are shocked when they hear that. They're like, you built her first hundred K you were on good morning America. You did all of these things and you still got eight hours of sleep. Plus you worked a day job. Yes. Because 
I am a goblin if I get less. Like the past two nights, just because like I I've been hanging with people, I I've gotten I think like six or six hours of sleep the past two nights, which is not normal for me, and I don't feel good. <laughs> like I'm not productive. I am not like I just know myself, and I know that I am not. I cannot serve other people if I'm not serving myself first. Mm-hmm. And if I am my product, I can't sell my product if my product is you know overworked, underfed. Right. And so I prioritized that because I knew if like if I wanted to build my business in the way and I wanted to and and to have it look the way I wanted to, I had to take care of myself first and I had to really prioritize my own health. And so, yeah, to your point, I think I think so many people kind of expect things to happen overnight or they just yeah, or they burn out so hard so fast without realizing that, like, you're playing the long game, especially if you're building a business. Um, if you're building a business on the side, you know, that shit takes work. That shit is not every overnight success is years in the making. Yeah. And this isn't to scare anybody. Obviously this isn't no, to like, no. this isn't to spook anyone that's listening, but it's just an opportunity for you to know. It, it's, it's talking about the real stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Being real, being open, being honest, which is what we're all about, uh, on this podcast, on this show. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, like your side hustle has become a very fulfilling experience for you. Right. And it's become, um, not only that, but the impact that you've been having on, you know, hundreds and thousands of, of uh, women, you know, trying to figure out how to manage their financial health um, is incredible. And it's things like that that you can accomplish when uh, you create a side hustle that you're passionate about and you go, that you go full force with. So, you know, congratulations on, on everything you've done up to this point. Um, I'm really excited for, for the future of what you're going to release as well. So that should be fun. Um, what are three things I know, I know we covered some basics already, but if like off the top three things that people can do right now, like they can stop listening to this podcast and go do right now, um, to be better with their finances. Um, what can those three things be? One, automate your savings, set up an automatic transfer, even if that's like $20 a month, like start small. It doesn't have to be a ton of money, um, but set it up. The second thing is I can give you a script to drop in the show notes, but re- uh, negotiate your recurring bills. Like, especially if you're in a place right now where maybe you're not making money, maybe you're out of a job with, with uh, the whole Corona crisis. Maybe um, you're, you know, you're just trying to make ends meet right now. It's a great opportunity for you to negotiate things like your car insurance or your cable bill or your internet or your phone bill, right? These things are actually all negotiable Mm -hmm. um, as well as credit card interest rates. If you're carrying any sort of credit card debt, that, um, that, rate is potentially negotiable. So, um, get on the phone with their customer service. You can be cleaning your kitchen while you're doing it. Cause they're going to put you on hold. Um, but yeah, spend, spend 15 minutes on the phone and see what happens. Um, and I would say the third thing is, um, and I, again, we talked about this already, but if you don't have a high yield savings account already, like just make that switch over again, you don't have to do anything there. Just make the switch. If you have money in savings, move it over to a high yield savings account and you'll earn way more money than you would if it was just sitting there in a regular savings account. It may as well be working harder for you. Awesome sauce. That was awesome. (laughs) Um, Thank you so much for, for coming on the show again. The last thing I'll wrap up with is if uh, you know, today we started with what, what are the things that make you feel, feel blessed at this time, you know, on this beautiful day, what does success mean to you and what will it mean for you moving forward? Success means that I, live in gratitude and that I am making a positive impact 
on the world and the people around me. That's what success is. Perfectly summed up. Simple, great, valuable. Um, I think I think this podcast episode was super valuable. Um, I learned a lot from it. I know my listeners are going to take a while, take away a lot. I'm going to grab a bunch of stuff for you from you from for the show notes um, with a side hustle course um, coming up hopefully, as well as um, the budgeting plan. Um, and then what we had just talked about the high yield savings. So a few things, um, listeners take a look at the, at the show notes, um, and make sure you're on top of that, but appreciate it again, Tori, um, super enlightening conversation. And I can't wait to, to keep this relationship going right back at you. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it.